John's Gospel, chapter 4, please. I've just a couple of things jotted down to jog my memory. I was reading earlier this morning. Chapter 4. Praise the name of the Lord. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself baptized none but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Mark that. He must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the ninth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me? which I am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. But of that water that I shall give him shall be in him a well springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus answered unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus answering saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither worship in this mountain nor at Jerusalem. In this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him. Mark it down. Must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with a woman. 
Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? They then went out of the city and came unto him. And in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore, saith the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him ought to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. And both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is the saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. And other men labored, and ye entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. And they said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Father, take your word and inscribe it in our hearts. Take your word and bless your people. Challenge us this morning. Challenge us and strengthen us. Glorify the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. And we ask it for his glory alone. Amen. It says here in our reading, verse 4, of the Lord Jesus, he must needs go through Samaria. Notice, he must needs go through Samaria. Remember, must expresses necessity. Must is something, uh, giving the idea of something of a certainty. And it also expresses something that is binding. So must needs is a binding clause. In other words, it has to be done. We have looked at how Abraham must needs circumcise and cast away the flesh. Remember that. I can't go through them all, but the first week was Abraham was to receive the word of God by faith, circumcise the flesh, and the circumcision of the flesh was showing the faith of Abraham and the casting away of the flesh. How you and I, as Christians now, circumcised in heart are to cast away the flesh. The fleshy life, the fleshy world, cast away our own desires to live for him, to show our faith in Christ, uh, that we are not fleshy, but we are spiritual. And now we come to hear where Jesus says that, that those who worship the Father, the true worshipers, which means there are false worshipers and there's false worship. Did you grasp that? There's false worshipers and there's false worship. We looked at how Jesus must needs go to Jerusalem because scripture would be filled, he must needs be, uh, uh, he must needs be killed and rise again. We looked at different ones, how he must increase and we must decrease over the weeks. And now we're looking at how, uh, he says in the, it says that he must needs go to Samaria. You see, Samaria, the Lord Jesus had told his disciples to go not into the way of Samaritans, but rather go unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And the Samaritans, you see, were a mixed breed. 
And though the Jews and the Samaritans had division and even anger and hatred one for another, because way back in the Old Testament, when the house of Israel were in the northern kingdom and carried away captive, and I've told you about that many times, what happened was the Assyrians who came repopulated it with a, a people who were heathen. And so then if you, if you were to, to read on into the scriptures, there were priests from of the northern kingdom came back but it was a false worship that they brought back to teach, I'll put it in brackets, the ways of the Lord. But they were already into false idolatrous worship. So these Samaritans were false idol worshippers, and they then were populated in the northern kingdom, then were dispersed, never returned again to the land. But when the southern kingdom went to Babylon, there was the Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, and Jeremiah. All the cream of the crop were taken first, and then the, the middle classes were taken. And sort of the those who were the offscoring, who the Babylonians thought, well, they're not too much to worry about, and they can't be too much of a benefit. They were cast to the side, and a lot of the Jews there were, were left in Jerusalem. And you'll read even of some of those when Daniel is praying who are at Jerusalem too. Yet he's in Babylon. And these are those who, they're still his kinfolk, these Judaites. And what happened was that a mixture came because they started to move northward and they intermarried with the Samaritans. Hence the woman saying, Jacob is our father. Hence the woman saying, Jacob gave this well to Joseph. So they were a mixed breed between Samaritan and Israelite. There may have been some pure ones, I don't know. But nevertheless, when Jesus must needs go there, he says, I'll go deal with this because this is going to be a hard place. And you know, sometimes we look and we think, well, Lord, how do we, how do we evangelize or how do we uh, reach out to this person and how do we reach out to that person? Because we, we, we've tried our best and nothing seems to be happening. And it's unless the Lord really is anointing, unless the Lord is stepping in, you'll find it's almost impossible to try and get an anxious thought with someone. It takes the Lord himself to move on every heart. Jesus must needs go through Samaria. Why? He was going to make an example of this woman. He was going to make not only an example of this woman, he was going to make this woman who was a terrible sinner, a woman who was an outcast, a woman who was a nobody, a woman who came out in the heat of the day when all others were having their siesta, as it were, to draw water so she wouldn't even have to face anyone or talk to anyone because, you know why, she'd let, the Lord, she'd let everybody down. She'd had five husbands and now she's with another man who isn't her husband while she's living in sin. Some say that her, her marriage didn't count. Others think that she was just living with this man. Nevertheless, she had five of them. Jesus knew all about her. Christ knew everything about her. He knew all of her ways. He knew all of her failures. He knew all of her faults. He knew all of her sinning. He knew all of her lifestyle. And he says, it's time. I go do this job myself. Brothers and sisters, many of us, including this man, come from uh, backgrounds that are not to be proud of. All of us have feelings we should never be proud of. But there's one thing you can be assured of, is that the Lord Jesus Christ, he knew you. 
He came for you. He saw you. He knew all your ways. He knew all your faults. He knew all your sins. He knew all your failures. He knew all about you. And he must needs go, first of all, to the cross. And he must needs rise again. We've looked at these other weeks. And he must needs come to find you. He sought you out. Here's an ordinary run-of-the-day, monotonous uh, time for this woman when she comes out as usual. She doesn't want to meet anyone. And who does she meet? One of the enemy. A Jew. Or someone from Judah. And he comes. He must needs go because he's going to make something off this woman. He's going to make something of her. In spite of all her lifestyle, in spite of what the people out there thought of her, in spite of what the temple Pharisees and the scribes thought of her, in spite of their holding the law up to her and saying she's worthy to be stoned even. I mean, that's man's heart, brothers and sisters. Every man likes to look and see, you know, well, you know, I, I look at their failures and look at their faults. And it's great that one time a woman comes and we don't excuse the sin, but a woman has brought the Lord Jesus caught in the act of adultery and he says, he who is without sin, let him first cast a stone at her. And they all went away from the eldest to the youngest and left her. He says, where are those thine accusers? He says, Lord, no man accused, uh, is accusing me. And, she, and he says, go thy way. Listen, answer no more. Clean up your act, get your life together and go with home with God the way you should be. Follow me the way you should be. And when a man and a woman come to Christ and when a man and a woman in Christ who feel Christ come back to Christ, they, they realize there's always forgiveness with Christ. And a true heart comes. He must needs go through Samaria for he's going to make something of this woman. This is a woman of ill repute. This is a woman no one wants to know. And this is a woman who's in hiding. This is a woman who's running in her sin. This is a woman who's living in it. And listen, this woman hasn't even any thought of Christ. And suddenly he must needs, he's going to take this and charge himself. And brothers and sisters, we must learn that the bigger jobs... The bigger jobs and the impossibilities, then you just need to leave it with God. You need to leave it with Him. There's things that are out of our hands and we can't control. You need to leave it with Him. Only a couple of days ago, I was speaking with someone on the phone. We're talking about the state of the church. Generally, that is. We're talking about the lackluster uh, coldness of the church today, even toward the house of God, and and the things we do, and the the programs that are put on, and the uh, and the technology that's put in, and everything's to draw in, and and then we stop them and says, you know what? What if we stripped it all bare? What if we stripped it all bare? the only ones who would end up coming to the house of God would be those in whom Christ lives. 
Only those in whom Christ moves. And when we need fanfare and pumped up, when we need professionalism, and I'm not saying that we can't have those things, but when we need that to draw men and women into church, you know what, brothers and sisters, then why are they coming? It doesn't draw them to Christ. It may draw them to a building. Last week we looked at how religion was about to collapse when the Lord says the temple would be taken down and one stone would not be laid upon another because religion is what divides us and religion is what destroys us and religion is what brings us to a devil's hell because religion doesn't save you. Denominationalism will not save us. And in fact, all it is is coming to know this Christ. Coming to know him, coming to love him, and coming to serve him. This woman in an ordinary day meets the Savior, and at first glance, and at first words, and at first uh, conversation, she doesn't even recognize who he is. She's no idea. And such is every man and woman who are unsaved. We tend to try and, uh, uh, and say, well, if I give them a shake or coax at them enough, and if I try and, and stir them up or turn them around, and we must persuade all men, but we think that we can cause the thought in their hearts to, to, to come to Christ and to live for Christ, or even to come into God's house. But all men and women are dead. Dead in their sin and dead in their trespasses. But when Christ reveals himself in the slightest portion, you'll find you'll want him in the greatest measure. When Christ reveals himself in the slenderest portion to your soul, you will want him in the greatest measure for your soul. I was talking to this person and says, why, why is it you can't get people out anymore as way they used to be out? And I says, I don't know. We would try everything. But you know, if it's not in them, you can't make them. Oh, where, where are we all with Christ? The Lord Jesus must needs go for he's going to make something of this woman. Sister, let me say something to you. Brother, let me say something to you. You might think you're only you. And I can't do much. But I can tell you something, you stay faithful. Christ wants to make something of you. If you think that the living God who created the heavens and the earth and upholds all things by the word of his power, when you think that he has come in here this morning to meet with you, to give you his word, you're at the well this morning. You're at the well. Every single one of you, every single person, you're at the well today. It may have been just another Sunday morning, another 
monotonous meeting. But I can tell you every meeting I come to, I don't look for monotony. I come expecting to meet with him. Christ was coming to meet with this woman in order to make something out of her. Now, if this woman lived in Ulster, if this woman was from Northern Ireland especially, in the year 2015, or maybe the few years previous, and her track record was brought out to the church, they wouldn't use her probably. You have five husbands and you're living with someone now. You're on number six. Jesus never did that. He turned her into an evangelist. Think about it. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. But when he showed himself to her, when he revealed himself as the Christ to her, and eventually she becomes an evangelist, she goes on to serve him, not to sin anymore. Not to sin anymore. Notice this. It says here that he must needs go, for he had a plan and a purpose for these people in this city. Now, let's just run down. It says here in verse 5, And when he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jacob's well was there. Whenever you're reading this, um, it says Sychar, the city of Sychar. Some think that this is maybe ancient Shechem. In fact, Sychar, as we call it, is actually pronounced Sukkur. Sukkur. But we'll call it Sychar because that's how we pronounce it, okay? But Sychar, it comes to a parcel of ground, and it's believed that the city of Shechem was there. You know what Shechem means? Shoulder in between the shoulder blades. In other words, it gives the idea of someone shrugging their shoulder away and turning their back. Shrugging their shoulder away and turning their back. And it's believed that this area as well would be around near Mount Ephraim. And Ephraim was the name of the northern kingdom. And how, how, how apt is it that they turned away from God, they threw their shoulder around, and they faced everything they wanted to face, and they didn't want to face the living God. They showed him the shoulder. Do you know what Sychar means? Drunkenness. Ephraim were called the drunkards of Ephraim. Drunkenness. And here the Lord sits at a place of stupor instead of something that should revive. He sits at a well that means drunkenness. In other words, the people around the area, around this well, this is a place where there was full of those who would be up to all manner of sin and they would be drunken in their minds. I'm not only talking about alcohol drunkenness now. I'm talking about spiritual drunkenness. Spiritual drunkenness. And, and he must needs go. It was binding that he went. Why? To liberate them from all their addictions. To liberate them from all of their sin. To take it all away from them. To preach the word unto them and to show himself as the only true living saviour. And so when he meets this woman, this woman has no idea whom he is. It says, there cometh a woman, verse 7 of Samaria. 
to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou being a Jew, ask us drink of me, which I am a woman of Samaria. It's debated whether this woman was being cynical or sarcastic or whether she was genuine in asking. Many think this woman was being very sarcastic to the Lord, not knowing who he was. And Well, who are you? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Samaritan. Who are you? And again, there is the human heart when the gospel of Christ, the witness of the scriptures, is revealed to every person as, who is this man? Who is this Christ? Who is this Jesus? Who do you think you are telling me about him? And Christ himself was there, and he goes to meet with a woman like this. Notice what it says. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus saith unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me the drink, thou wouldest have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. And Jesus says, If you knew who I am and what I have for you. Okay, brother, sister, grab this. Grab this. Grab it. Get the grips with who he is. And understand what he has for you. We're drinking sometimes at the well of drunkenness rather than the living water. The well of dirty water. We're drinking at the well of the worldliness. We're drinking at the well of idolatry and godlessness and ungodliness. Jesus says, oh, if you just knew me, you would drink from me. If you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. You know why? Because now none but Christ can satisfy. Here we see him saying, if you knew who I was, Surprise you how many Christians don't know him. As in Savior, yes, but as in the gift of the Spirit for them. And so this ensues where the woman says in verse 12, Art thou greater than our father Jacob? You know, the Lord Jesus could have turned around and says, Well, you know, in Genesis chapter 28, we'll read, you can read it when you go home, that Jacob was, was there when he laid a pillow, a stone for his pillow, and there was a ladder to heaven. And it says, and the Lord stood at the top of the ladder, and the angels ascended and descended upon the ladder. Jesus was the one, he could have said, I'm the one whom Jacob's seen at the top of the ladder. In fact, I am the one who have come down the ladder, and I am speaking to you. I'm the one who has condescended into your life. I've come down into your sin. I've come down into your world. I've come down to meet you where you are because you can't come to where I am. So me and my grace and in my mercy, the Lord God at the top of Jacob's ladder has come down. She didn't realize whom she was standing or sitting before at the side of this well. She didn't realize if you knew who I was and the gift I have for you, You'd never, ever want to drink from the worldly drunken water again. 
so he could have says, I'm the one that wrestled with your father Jacob all night. I'm the one who smote him on the thigh. I'm the one who came and spoke to him and told him to go back to Bethel, the house of God. Brothers and sisters, Bethel means the house of God. That's where the ladder was. That's where the Lord stood at the top and the angels ministered down. Bethel means house of God. And when Jacob came away from the house of God, what did the Lord say? You'll read it in the book of Genesis. Uh, it's around 36, 7, it says, uh, 35, 36. And he says, go back to Bethel. Go back to where you've seen me in my glory. Go back to where you've seen me and you've seen my grace come down that ladder. Go back to where you found me at the start, Jacob. Christian, it's time to get back to Bethel. Go back to the place. Go back to the place of worship. Go back to the place of his ministering angels. Go back to the place where grace is. Go back to the place where he found you and where you laid your head to rest and you anointed the stone and the anointing of God corporately was upon that stone when Jacob anointed it with oil and called the place Bethel for this is the house of God. This is where God is. Now God does not dwell in this temple here made with hands. But God dwells with his people. Get back to his people. Get back into fellowship. Get back into service. Get back to him. Because it's there in the house of God, you'll find that God always directs you back and will say, if you're truly his, if you've really been his, if you've had an honest conversion to Christ, it's there that the world will never please you. It will never satisfy you. It will only help you for a little while, then destroy you. Then destroy you. God says, get back to the house of God. Now, the house of God is you and I. That's fellowship and unity this morning. I want to finish with this because time has flown. I want to give the team time to lead us in worship as we close. If you let your eye run down to verse... 21, Jesus saith to the woman, let's go to 20. The woman says to him, our fathers worshipped in this mountain and ye say that in Jerusalem there's a place where men ought to worship. And Jesus saith unto the woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is off the Jews or the Savior comes out of Judah. He is the Savior out of Judah. But the hour cometh, notice, and now is when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must, must. Here's the binding clause. Here is the necessity of true worship. Here is the expressing true worship. They must worship him in spirit and in truth. I finish with this point. The word for spirit there is not the Holy Spirit. It's a small s, you can see that. It's your regenerated spirit by the Holy Spirit. That's the idea of it. He says the true worshippers will not go down to Jerusalem. Remember I told you the 
the religion was going to be finished when Jesus said, this temple, that one stone shall be laid upon another. The, 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 the denominational, the, the religious, the ceremonial was all going to be torn down. Not at Jerusalem, he says. And neither is it in the mountains where people have their, you know, I'm a free spirit running around here, there and everywhere. There, there's, no, uh, there's no accountability in me. And I'll worship the Lord as I seem fit. Maybe he's in a tree, a bush or a mountain or a rock somewhere. You know, and people, there's people who like to, to say, well, we're, we're, we're free in spirits. We don't get involved. You need to get back to Bethel. And Christ says it won't be there and it won't be there, but the man and the woman who are saved, who are truly born again and blood washed, notice he says, this is what he's meaning. He says that they will worship in their spirit. I was talking to someone, I visited just, forgetting my days, I think it was a week or two ago. We talked about prayer and it's good to set aside time and to pray and to seek the face of the Lord. I said, but... They also says to me, but I worship the Lord all the time. I talk to him all the time. I think of him all the time. And it's not just set pattern prayer because I've become religious. It's not a set pattern. It's a lifestyle. It's a living. It's in him we live and move and have our being. It's a walking through the park. It's a going down the street. It's while you're going around, you're shopping, you're talking to the Lord in your head. It's you're driving the car. You're singing, you're praising, you're worshiping him. That's the idea of it. But you see, it's not soulish worship, as some people call it. It's not your emotions. It's not your emotions. If we worship only in our emotions, then we are not worshiping in truth. We have to worship in the spirit, spirit of our mind. This morning, that's why I would say sometimes, let's forget everyone. Let's forget everything. Let's forget what we have left behind. Let's forget our dinner in the oven. You know, let's forget the time. Let's forget this because our minds, our spirit are fixed on everything else. Father, I come and my mind is fixed on you. And I'll tell you, it'll take up your emotions. It enters your soul. See the man and the woman whose mind is stead on him, they have peace, they have joy. Whose mind is stead on him, you know what happens? The mind that is stead on him, they, they overcome. They overcome. Where's your mind right now? Where's your mind right now? Are you thinking, Lord, I need to keep my mind in you? You see, they, the true worshippers will worship not only in spirit, but they will worship in truth. The truth of the word. Brother, sister, that's why I'm always advocating. Seek the Lord, yes, but search his word. Read his word. If you can't, you're not a great reader, listen to his word. Play it in the background of your home. Play it in your car. In fact, play the word rather than your music. Play the word. Your word, the word, the word. Because it's the word that brings truth. And if you worship him in truth, look, you can't worship someone you're not unsure of who he is. If I knewest who I am, he said. You can't worship someone truly 
you can't give to someone truly what they deserve unless, unless you know them. My wife knows me better than I know myself. There's times I go into the room, into a room, and I'd be standing looking around me going, what did I come in here for? And Alison would harm me. <laughs> Is that all they've done that, maybe? She knows me better than I know me. We have grown together in our marriage. Brother, sister, here's the thing. If you don't know him like this, you need to. If thou knewest the gift, and if you knew who I was, I'd give so much more to you. And if you don't read or listen to his word, you can never know him. The only way you can know him is in this. Sitting, focusing, giving him your mind according to his word. And you'll find out who Christ really is. There's so much more for us to find, to learn, to delve into.